Well, I hope everybody else is also in a great mood, just like Mike Tomlin after the Pittsburgh Steelers have lost uh, to the Buffalo Bills and are no longer in the term tournament. Uh, obviously, understandably, it's been a few days and hopefully everybody is over the loss at this point and looking forward to 2024. Welcome back to another episode of State of the Steelers. I'm Daniel, your Steel Curtain Network host. And today we're going to be talking about the end of 2023, 2024 season. How many changes can we really expect or are we going to be seeing a lot of the same let's start off first talking about the game and then we'll jump into mike tomlin's end of season press conference where i think that there was a lot in there it was probably one of mike tomlin's most candid press conferences he looked good out there i mean he didn't look like he was stressed out or anything i would say that you know to a certain extent one would think that maybe perhaps he sees a light at the end of the tunnel as a direction to go but we'll get into all that first let's start off with the loss to the Buffalo Bills. You know, the Steelers lost 31 to 17, a game that, in my opinion, was closer than what the score says. You know, the Steelers come out and basically stopped the Buffalo Bills 14 points off turnovers and just bad mistakes early on in the game. We'll start off with George Pickens, you know, putting the ball in the ground there on the Steelers side of the field. They can't do that. Not in a playoff game. And not in any game, for instance, but, you know, this is a game going up against a very talented team. There's The margin of error is going to be very small. I get it. It was an effort type play, so I'm not going to, you know, jump down the guy's throat about it. You know, he was trying to make a play. He was trying to get a first down. You know, at that point, the Steelers had already gone down seven to zero. And the Steelers offense was looking very similar to what they looked like earlier in the year, going three and out in their first couple of possessions. But that put the Buffalo Bills on a short field. Josh Allen was able to maximize his opportunity at that end of the field, put up a touchdown pass. Later on in the first quarter, the Pittsburgh Steelers drive down the field after Pat Fryermuth puts the ball on the ground. Now, fortunately, it appears that the ball may have hit Pat Fryermuth's helmet while he was out of bounds, which made the ball dead at the spot right there. Now, I think if they would have called it a turnover on the field, I'm not sure they'd turn that over and say that there was convincing evidence that the ball actually hit Pat Fryermuth's helmet. So in my opinion, I think the call on the challenge was a product of bad camera angles where no one could really see a good angle of if that ball actually hit Pat Fryermuth in the helmet. But regardless of that, he put the ball on the ground again trying to make play, stretching out, you know, getting hit, going down, ball comes out. Fortunately, the Steelers keep it. But then at the end of the drive, it ends up in it with an interception. And I know a lot of people, and I've heard this a lot, saying that that was an ill-advised throw. Should have thrown it away. Should have saw somebody else. This, that, and a third. The, the thing is, yeah, he, he, Mason Rudolph could have thrown it away. So let's break it down. When you look at the all-22 on the, on the play, when Mason Rudolph throws the ball, the cornerback covering Deontay Johnson is facing the opposite direction. As the ball is traveling through the air, several yards in front of Mason Rudolph, that cornerback is still facing the opposite direction. About halfway through, both Deontay and the cornerback turn around, and the cornerback made a play. You know, I, I think that most NFL quarterbacks are going to attempt that throw 10 out of 10 times. You know, I get it. A lot of people are going to say should have thrown out of bounds, should have lived to fight another day. Maybe, perhaps, it's possible. But, you know, you're in a short end of the field. It's in the red zone. You're not going to find a receiver running naked in the end zone with nobody covering him. It's very rare, highly unlikely. A throw like what Mason attempted to do uh, is required there in that situation. And, you know, you, the Steelers are playing against NFL players who are also getting paid millions of dollars to do a job. And sometimes... The other player makes a better play on the on the ball. And I think that's what just happened in that situation. But overall, Mason going, throwing two more touchdowns after that, I thought was impressive. You know, I don't think he lost the Steelers the game. You know, too many mistakes, too many ill-advised turnovers, 
I, I know he was responsible for one of them. She also had a defense who was getting shredded by the Buffalo Bills offense, especially in the first half. There wasn't an answer for the tight ends. The Steelers lost middle linebacker after middle linebacker throughout the season. It finally came back to bite them in the rear, and they were exploited by the tight ends of the Buffalo Bills. The massive hit to the safeties this year also took its toll. I know Mika was back, and so was DeMonte Casey, but both of those guys had missed you know, about a month of play. DeMonte Casey wasn't even allowed to be in the, in the training room and the in the offices and the meetings, none of that. He wasn't allowed to contact the team because he was suspended for a hit that I think is still, you know, I think it was a little bit excessive. I understand the optics of the play, you know, how it looked. It looked like it was a bad play. But in reality, he hit the guy with the shoulder and the receiver kind of dove into it. It didn't look like it was something that was intentional. Now, if it was intentional, then I would understand the suspension. But this was a bang, bang play, non-intentional. I digress. It happened a few year, few weeks ago, but he wasn't going to be a guy that was ready or you know ready to come in right away. He'd only had a, a few days of practice. Mika Fitzpatrick, and he didn't look like he was 100% out there. Still dealing with the knee injury, I suppose. He had a broken hand earlier in the year as well, so I don't know if he's still dealing with that. I assume and that was taken care of while he was out with his knee, but it may not have been 100% either. And given the temperature and, and the elements that the Pittsburgh Steelers were playing in, it may have affected him. Either way, the safety position, middle linebackers, I mean, outside of maybe perhaps the, the edge guys, I think everybody you know, had a subpar performance. The defensive line couldn't stop the rush unless Cam Hayward was out there on one leg. So I say that before we get into the conspiracy talk, that those were the reasons why the Steelers lost that game. Too many mistakes in the wrong time, too many turnovers. And you had some players that just not ready for the, the stage, so to speak whether it was because of inexperience or injury or just coming back to the game. Now, I will say that I do think that the refs may have called some plays in a direction that led to the Steelers having a much higher uphill battle in the second half. I don't deny that I feel, this is me personally, I'm not saying it that this is what it is, but me personally felt that maybe perhaps the ratings of a Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes game was in mind uh, during this game. I mean, first, let's talk about Let's talk about the game and the weather situation and the move, right? There'd been rumors spreading around that the game was going to be either moved to Cleveland or Atlanta. The Steelers kept saying, no, we haven't heard anything about this. We haven't, they haven't told us anything about the game moving. As far as we know, it's on Sunday in Orchard Park. But those rumors have to come from somewhere. And usually where there's rumors, there's a little bit of truth. Maybe the movement of the game that was circling around or the news circling around behind that wasn't a change of location, but just a change of the date. And if that was in talks, when did the Buffalo Bills, who are familiar with the governor of the state of New York, when did they first get knowledge that the game might be moved from Sunday to Monday to where on a day to a day where the snow isn't going to be as uh, as big of a component or in this case at all a component was it going to be cold yes was there wind not as much as everybody thought so is it possible that they got a couple of days notice and maybe made a game plan for the weather and the elements knowing that they can throw the ball down the field now and don't have to rely on the running game and then it's not until late Friday that the Steelers are notified that the game's going to be moved to Monday. That's the first they hear of it. Now, their game plan's already been put in place, expecting a certain type of condition. Mike Tomlin said in his post-game press conference that, that the Steelers had to offensively go more vertically down the field more than they wanted to, that the game plan was to run the ball, essentially, was a big component of why that game plan was as conservative was uh, run dominant and not so vertically down the field. In fact, I don't recall any deep shots down the field. Was that because 
the game plan was in preparations for the conditions on Sunday. And if that ends up being the case, and that's just as close as cheating as you can get, in my opinion. Not to mention the referees in the second half. Me personally, I thought the fix was in when Josh Allen throws the ball into the stands almost, hits the bench for sure, and the referees have to gather together and decide what penalty to call. Clearly, it was uncatchable, so it couldn't have been a pass interference. But somebody needed so much convincing that it took how much time for that play to be resolved? They were huddled there for a few minutes. Somebody needed convincing that that was not a pass interference. And instead of saying, hey, it's uncatchable. I mean, how many times have we seen a receiver go up and a cornerback hit the receiver early, but the ball's uncatchable? There may be a penalty. They huddled up. Hey, it's not a pass interference. They, they pick up the flag and say, hey, no penalty for pass interference. The ball was uncatchable. You know, wave their hand over their head and the play is dead. When have we seen, you know, all right, it's uncatchable. We're going to throw, you know, a five-yard holding. Makes zero sense. That's when I knew that the fix was in. That's when I knew, and, you know, for me personally, not saying this is what the NFL is doing, just my opinion, that maybe perhaps the Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes playoff matchup, a rematch of, you know, that great playoff game of a few years ago where Josh Allen didn't get to have his last drive and change the rules of the NFL when it came to sudden death or when it came to overtime. They want a rematch of that. Again, the Steelers had their opportunity to win this game and you know had an opportunity to make it competitive and, and take that aspect out of it. And they didn't. They put the ball on the ground a couple of times. You know, they had their own mistakes as well. So in the end, the Pittsburgh Steelers lose the game. You know, they had an opportunity maybe perhaps to come back. A no call on George Pickens ends up closing out the game and closing out the season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. After the game, George Pickens basically lit up, you know, what he thought about the referees and his opinion there. I'm sure he's going to get a pretty big fine for that one. TJ Watt was devastated. He he and the Steelers were really expecting to have another game this week to be going up to Baltimore, play the Ravens for the third time this year. Cam Hayward said he had hurt his groin sometime in, I guess, in training camp, but it was all right. Then he really hurt it in the first game. It was supposed to be like a 12-week thing, came back in six. Never really was himself. He's got a big contract coming up next year. Do you think the Steelers are going to keep him or not? I don't know. I know they probably won't at that price tag. I think he's due like $22 million, something like that. So I do, in a way, expect a lot of changes. But in some ways, I do think that there's going to be a lot of the same. And with that being said, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk more about you know what to expect this upcoming year. What maybe perhaps is going to stay the same. Don't go anywhere. Uh, these are just a few words from our sponsors. Hey, thank you for sticking around. I appreciate it. Welcome back to State of the Steelers, where today we're talking about 2024 already. You know, what changes to expect? Mike Tomlin had a press conference uh, yesterday, and we got, in my opinion, quite a bit of clues what to expect. Let's break it down. Let's talk about it. First, let's talk about Mike Tomlin is expected to return. During his press conference, he spoke a little bit about, you know, the possibility of him returning and how he was confident that those things were going to work itself out and that he would be getting an extension. Uh, he denied ever saying that he was going to take a year off or any of those type of things. And he also apologized about walking out on the post-game press conference when asked about his contract, basically stating there's a time and place for those type of questions about his contract. And, you know, just after the game, that end of the season is probably not the right place. And he apologized for the way he handled that situation. In my opinion, I think he apologized because he was trying to set 
an example of how to talk to the media for his players. Najee Harris had made some comments about some in-house changes and discipline and this, that. And I think that maybe perhaps after hearing those comments and seeing how Mike Tomlin handled himself with the media, it's probably not the best example to a George Pickens or to a to any of these younger guys who are looking up to Tomlin and then perhaps are going off on the media as well. So I think that had probably the biggest component to why he was so open and, you know, just had a different demeanor about this press conference and the future of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, to a certain extent, it almost looked like he had a weight lifted off him or he saw some sort of, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe there is some sort of path or clear, clearer path to where they want to go. I don't know. Just kind of felt that way, in my opinion. So outside of Mike Tomlin returning or not returning, the biggest question of the day was on you know the quarterback position. It's been the biggest question throughout the last four weeks or so now. And in that time, Mason Rudolph has taken over for an injured Kenny Pickett. And in my opinion, outplayed Kenny Pickett, which is the reason why he stayed there when Kenny was was healthy to return. Mason Rudolph's going to be a free agent this year. And there's a lot of talk on whether or not he's going to come back, whether he wants to come back, you know, whether the Steelers want him to come back. You know, I think that the biggest thought out there is that Kenny Pickett's going to get the nod at QB1. It's his job to lose. I really don't think so. I personally do think that there is going to be a huge competition there for Kenny Pickett, a real one this time. And I think that Mason Rudolph very well may be a guy that's going to be participating in that competition. I know that Tomlin said he was confident in Kenny Pickett being QB1, but it wasn't but a couple of years ago during the offseason after Ben, ben Roethlisberger retired and there was no other quarterback on the roster other than Mason Rudolph that the GM of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Kevin Colbert, came out and talked about how confident he was in Mason Rudolph being QB1. But like I said, at that time, Mason Rudolph was the only quarterback on the roster. Soon after that, during free agency, Mitch Trubisky ends up getting signed. And then shortly after that, Kenny Pickett gets drafted. Mason Rudolph gets buried on the depth chart and never really given an opportunity. And, you know, some people look at that as a possibility of him or a reason why he may not want to return. Valid points, 100%. But let's look at what Tomlin said about certain things. First, let's listen to what he said when asked about there being real competition for Kenny Pickett at the QB1 position. But certainly he will be challenged from a competition perspective uh, moving forward. Competition brings the best out in all of us. You know, I agree with him. And I think that if, if Mason Rudolph ends up being retained or whoever ends up being the com- competition for Kenny Pickett and Kenny ends up beating them out, then, you know, that makes him a better quarterback and the right guy to be in there and a know, better quarterback than what he is today or what he's been this season. You know, I know a lot of folks are saying, you know, they want to see him with a different offensive coordinator outside of Matt Canada. Oh, okay. I mean, I get it. I understand that. I I personally don't think that you're going to see a huge difference in play on the field if you had two good quarterbacks and one bad offensive coordinator. To me, I feel that if one quarterback struggled under a game plan or the offensive coordinator and another one didn't, it doesn't sound like it was the coordinator the problem. But again, Mason Rudolph didn't play under Matt Canada either. So who knows? I do know that in the six quarters or so, Kenny Pickett played without Matt Canada as his offensive coordinator. Uh, that I think he put up 19 points altogether. Now, I know I get it. You know, it looked better. He got the yards. But in my opinion, I think results matter. You know, I, I don't like it when those Miles Garrett apologists or whatever you want to call them, you know, come out and say that Miles Garrett is a better pass rusher than TJ Watt or a better player should be defensive player of the year because, you know, majority of his plays on the field are rushing the quarterback as he's a designated pass rusher and TJ Watt is an outside linebacker. And yet TJ Watt ends up getting more production. He's gotten more sacks, interceptions, tackles, tackles for loss across the board. And yet you'll have these individuals that come out saying, no, 
Miles Garrett had a pass win rate or whatever. I don't even know some kind of weird stat that says he's better than TJ Watt. Well, I'll, I'll take TJ Watt over Miles Garrett and I'll take the results over Miles Garrett. 100 over 100 at times. I'll take the production. And I'll tell you this, when it comes to any position, I'll take the production and what happens on field in stadiums over the possibility or the potential that somebody may have who has been unable to show that they can't actually show their their full capabilities. And when it comes to Mason Rudolph and the Pittsburgh Steelers, I do think that the Steelers are going to make a good attempt to re-sign him. In this press conference, Mike Tomlin finally talked well about Mason Rudolph, said a few good things about him. And Mike Tomlin spoke about how he could be a huge component to the quarterback competition going into 2024. And then after all that, after the reporters were asking about where the competition was going to come from, if, if perhaps it was going to come from the draft. They got into other subjects. And then at the end, towards the end of the conference, a reporter asks him if perhaps free agency is an option for a competition for Kenny Pickett. And let's listen to what Mike Tomlin said. Does that interest when you look outside to bring in competition for Kenny extend to that? Again, I'd be speculating at this juncture. We're just at the early stages of it. I will acknowledge, obviously, that Mason Rudolph is scheduled to be a free agent, and we do have interest in doing continual business with him. So he could have talked about any other free agent and say, yeah, we're going to go look outside. We're going to look at options. I mean, that's those are things that have been cliche and things that have been said in the past when it came to uh, Mike Tomlin and, and Kevin Colbert or, or Omar Khan when it came to talking about possibilities of acquiring talent for competition. Then he went and talked about Mason Rudolph and how – they want to continue to do business with him. Find out if that's true. Let's listen to what he says about, about the franchise wanting to do business with him. Is it the hope of the franchise that Mason Rudolph will be back in providing that competition? It is, um, but he is a free agent and it is free agency. So it is the hope of the franchise. And these are the two different parts of the conversation. This is an earlier part where he says that it is the goal of the franchise to you know, have maybe perhaps Mason Rudolph be a part of the competition going into next year, meaning that, you know, re-sign him. He said it is. It is a uh, objective for the Steelers to sign him. And then later on at the end of the conference, when asked about free agents maybe coming in and that being a possibility, he goes back to Mason Rudolph. So the franchise is considering bringing him back. What does Mike Tomlin think about him? Like, did Rudolph uh, change your perception of him or what he might be capable of this year? Oh, certainly. Um, I don't think that any of us can deny what we've seen um, over the last um, month or so. I cannot underscore um, how impressive it is to be ready. Like I said, he was actually talking very well about Mason Rudolph this time. You know, I think that there is going to be a, a push. I mean, the franchise wants to work with him. The coach wants to work with him. How, how do the players feel? First, let's find out what George Pickens thinks of Mason Rudolph. Mike Tomlin said that the mentality going into this week was scared money don't make money, that you guys were going to take shots. How much was that something that you feel like you guys just embodied as a team? Uh, I just feel like, like I said once again, uh, the plays that we had dialed up, Mason just, you know, let it rip. You know, it's all, it's all up to the QB, and I feel like he was taking more shots personally. George Pickens felt that Mason Rudolph was taking more shots personally. It wasn't so much about aggressiveness or this or that going down the field. It was the change of the quarterback play is what made a difference there. Sounds like George likes what Mason can do for him. And I think a lot of it has to do with the production that George Pickens and Deontay Johnson were both able to do uh, while playing with Mason Rudolph. In fact, Deontay Johnson had some words on the topic of Mason Rudolph coming back. And he stated, I quote, I've been on the Mason plane, so it wasn't nothing. I wasn't expecting him not to do. I kind of had high hopes of him doing what he's been doing when he became the starter. I hope he gets the job next year. And do what he's got to do, but he did a great job, in my opinion. So he's basically saying that he hopes he's the guy that's next. He hopes he's the starter. I mean, 
if you go and look at their stats and you look at the production that the receivers had under Mason Rudolph, I, I, I see why. And Jalen Warren, when asked about Mason Rudolph and if he thinks that Mason Rudolph will be back in 2024 and be competing for QB1, he says, I'm expecting that. He went out there, did his thing, as we all saw. Very competitive. He put the ball in the right places when it needed to be. He has the confidence of the players. He has the confidence of the coach. And he has the confidence of the franchise. And I know a lot of people are thinking he's going to be gone. He's priced himself out. And maybe so, you know, there is the free agency component, as Mike Tomlin had mentioned. He is a free agent. He can go where he wants to go. Maybe perhaps he's got some bad blood with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't think so, but maybe he does and just wants a new place. I think that Pittsburgh's probably the best place for him as far as getting an opportunity to start. I think no matter where he goes, he has a four game sample size. I don't think that's enough for a team to say, all right. You're our starter. We're not going to draft a quarterback in the draft after you. We're not going to have another quarterback compete with you. Regardless of where he goes, he's going to have to compete. And here in Pittsburgh, at least, he has chemistry with the receivers. And he knows the playbook. And he's got a great opportunity to be the guy. He's got the confidence, as I mentioned, to the players, coach, and franchise. I think Pittsburgh would probably be the best place for him to get an opportunity to be a starter. Are they going to pay him a lot of money? I don't know. You know I don't think they're going to pay him. QB one money that you know you, you're guaranteed to start. I would expect something maybe around what Mitch Trubisky was making, maybe even up to about ten to twelve million a year for two years or so. You know, I think the Steelers learned their lesson about not paying homegrown players and allowing players like a Cam Sutton to get out of the building because they didn't want to pay the extra couple million dollars to keep him in. Imagine how much better the Pittsburgh Steelers defense would have been this year with a Cam Sutton, Joey Porter Jr. combination versus Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson. You know rotation there. I think this season probably has a much different outlook. So maybe perhaps they're willing to work up the money. But like I said, there's that component of Mason Rudolph. Let's see. Let's, what did Mason Rudolph have to say when it came to you know him coming back? He said, I love the Pittsburgh Steelers. They've been my only home for six years. We'll see what happens. Like I said, it's not really my decision. A lot of it is outside of my control. We'll see what happens. That means He's willing to come back, y'all. He don't know the Pittsburgh Steelers want him. That's a big component of him coming back. And at that point, when he said this, this was before his exit meeting. This was before any of these you know, contract talks or extension talks. So he, he may not know that they want him back. Nobody wanted him last year. He went and tested free agency, came back because nobody wanted him. And if you go and watch and listen to his press conferences, you know, especially the one after the Cincinnati Bengals game, he, you'll see how appreciative and grateful he was of the opportunity to get the start that that night and how grateful and appreciative he got the opportunity to be on the team that year because he had no interest anywhere else. The Pittsburgh Steelers could have said, no, we'll go get an undrafted guy and pay him less than a million dollars a year, put him on the practice squad or something and just have him elevate or or even put him on the 53, but you know, have to pay him a minimum paycheck, which is not going to be equivalent to a vet minimum paycheck. And, you know, you really don't ever expect to see the third quarterback come in. So, you know, they, they spent the extra cash on him to come back and, you know, be the scout team guy. I don't think the Steelers ever expected him to enter into the game, but he did. And he did well. And like Tomlin said, he did so well that he has changed his opinion about him and, and what he thinks of his game and what he can do. I don't know, guys. And like I said, he's not signed yet. So there's a good chance that it, it may not be him. I don't know. But I will say this. In my personal opinion, right now, the quarterbacks that are signed for 2024 are Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. And I don't think either two are the answer. I don't think Mitch Trubisky is going to be here very long. And look at the last two games that the Pittsburgh Steelers played in Baltimore, in Buffalo. And had they won in Buffalo, they would have gone to Baltimore again. And the way the Chiefs were playing, 
If they win there, they're probably going to Kansas City. And guess how the weather has been there? These are cold, windy places. Pittsburgh is a cold, windy place, especially later on in the season. And if the team is going to go where you hope or expect it to go, they're going to have to go into stadiums that are cold and windy. The Bills, the the Ravens, the Chiefs are probably the teams that you're most likely to see in the playoffs. Yeah, you might run into the Texans or or Miami or Jacksonville, but what are the chances that those are the three teams you're playing all the way through? And are you going to hope that that's what you end up getting in a situation where you're playing in perfect weather down late in the season because the quarterback maybe struggles with pushing the ball down the field? One of the things that Mike Tomlin said in an earlier press conference about pushing the ball down the field and Mason being able to do so was, Arm talent, the straight up arm talent is what he said. Play in the North, a strong arm is needed. So if Mason ends up going, I hope that they bring in somebody else, somebody that can fling the ball around. Me personally, I hope it's not Russell Wilson. Uh, just me personally. I think he's uh, a little bit overrated over the hill type of situation. Yeah, I hoped it wasn't Mitch Trubisky, so I may not say any more about it because <laughs> Mitch Trubisky ended up being the guy that the Steelers signed in the offseason after I said that. So if I was running the show, which it's probably a good thing I'm not. But if I was, I would have personally seen like I would have personally liked to have seen Mason Rudolph come back to compete with Kenny Pickett for the number one position and then also draft a quarterback that could potentially be a guy, have some of those intangibles, maybe not somebody that's ready to go right now. Somebody I'm not going to draft first two rounds of the draft. Maybe somebody can get in the third or fourth or fifth. Someone who can sit behind Mason Rudolph for a couple of years and learn. And at the end of the day, if Mason Rudolph just ends up becoming a guy, becoming a franchise guy, you didn't, you didn't invest the first round pick in this guy. I mean, look what happened to Mason. He was picked in the third round. He was expected to possibly be the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger. It didn't happen for him. Ben stayed longer and other players came in and apparently outperformed him. So if Mason goes out there and outperforms a third round pick, it's not that big of a deal. Now, also in this press conference, Mike Tomlin talked a little bit about the offensive coordinator situation. Gave a lot of clues there, too. He said that basically uh, they're going to be looking outside of the organization this time around. Uh, he doesn't see Sullivan or Faulkner as, as possibilities right now. You know, I guess maybe perhaps if the guys that they want go elsewhere, you know, they can fall back on the possibility of going back to, to Faulkner or, or Sullivan. But it don't seem like that's the the objective in that situation. Uh, he didn't want to speculate on the defensive side. I don't know if there's going to be changes there. That's going to be something to keep a close eye out on. But when it came to the OC, he wants somebody who has had experience as a coordinator, someone who is quarterback eccentric, maybe a potential past quarterbacks coach, somebody who can identify good quarterback play and identify potential quarterback options for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the future. With that said, I think there's a good possibility that that person might be, you know, coaching still right now, maybe still in the playoffs, coaching a team. You know, I don't know, maybe there's a quarterback coach out there that has some experience with quarterbacks. I personally would have thought maybe I would have liked Brian Greasy out of San Francisco, but he doesn't really have experience as a coordinator. And I think he only has two years as an uh, quarterbacks coach. You know, the last thing I want to talk about when it comes to some of the things that Tomlin said, and it was not very good when it came to Marvin Leal and, and Presley Harvin. He acknowledged that their play wasn't good enough. He acknowledged that Presley Harvin wasn't consistent enough at the latter end of the season. And he said that, you know, DeMarvin Leal wasn't doing enough to be a component, a formula for a winning football, winning the football game. Didn't look too good for those two guys. I expect to see those two guys to be changed or some other players coming in, especially on the defensive line. Cam Hayward was injured the entire year and there's a contract situation. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to come back, but we'll see. It's just the start. That's all I got for you guys today. I'll be back next week. I'm actually going to be back on Monday with Cannon White on the hangover. We're going to be talking more about the Pittsburgh Steelers future. You don't want to miss it. Make sure you go check that out and go check out stillcurrentnetwork.com. But with that being said, I'm out of here. Peace.